Hello, good evening and welcome to Seascapes. On tonight's programme, we get a tour of the historic Old Head of Kinsale Lighthouse and we have a performance by actor Neve Cusack to mark 75 years of the Irish Naval Service. Over the last couple of months on the programme, we've been visiting lighthouses around the coast. And we continue tonight with a stop-off at the Old Head of Kinsale Lighthouse in County Cork. The lighthouse is home to the only family to live on a lighthouse on the south coast. Noel Sweeney met with lighthouse veteran Gerald Butler and Old Head resident attendant Alan Boyers. They gave him a taste of what life was like working out there on the past and how life is today on the Old Head. The Old Head of Kinsale Lighthouse has guided vessels through Kinsale Harbour since 1851. Many lighthouses are tourist attractions today, though not the old head. It remains close to the public due to an old right-of-way law. Today it is home to the Boyers family, who have lived at the old head for some 30 years now. Former lighthouse keeper Gerald Butler spent years working on lighthouses along the southern coast. He spent time working the old head in the late 1970s and remembers some distinctive comforts offered by the Old Head over some of the other lighthouses at the time. Gerald is the son of a lighthouse keeper and grew up at the nearby Galley Head Lighthouse, where these days he works as a part-time lighthouse attendant. The lighthouse that sits on the Old Head has had more than one inception, as Gerald explains. My name is Gerald Butler and I'm uh, the son of a lightkeeper. I was a lighthouse keeper as well. Joined into the Irish Lights um, and spent 21 years as a lighthouse keeper working on various lighthouses around the coast. I worked on mostly on the southwest coast of Ireland. Southwest coast would be in Ishtirit, down as far as the old head of Kinsale. I came to the old head in the at the very end of 1979. And the old head um, has a, a, a very ancient history going way back into the um, middle of the 17th century, in the year 1666, the very first light uh, on the, was established on the old head and these were beacon lights and it was built um, about uh, nearly a half a mile from where the present lighthouse is on possibly the highest point of the headland and it was a beacon light um, a chauffeur basket up on top of the house actually the half of the house is still standing from that time Th- these lights were just beacons a fire Uh, when a sailing ship would come over the horizon what they'd see in the distance is just a glow in the sky maybe they might see the light and the keeper lived underneath that and he kept it um, stoked during the during the night and kept it burning so then there was a man by the name of thomas rogers he uh, established a light on uh, the old head of kinsale he built a lighthouse right beside it so in 1810, um, the the Irish Lights were formed. They were known as the Ballast Office in Dublin, the Corporation for Preserving and Improving the Port of Dublin. They took over the 14 lighthouses that were um, that were on, on the coast of Ireland. The Old Head was one of them. So um, George Halpin built um, the he, he built another lighthouse exactly where Thomas Rogers had his one, and that then was at too high an elevation and um, 
the fog used to sit down on top of it. So was the light on Cape Clear Island, built by George Halpin Sr. as well. And these lights were, they were just up on where the fog used to sit on them and obscure the light. And the one on Cape Clear resulted in a, a tragedy. So they decided then they'd move the light at the old head right down to uh, where the present lighthouse was built and that was accomplished in the year 1851. Um, just back in from that, which is now the uh, golf course, that was a British Coast Guard lookout. So the Coast Guards were uh, there and the keepers were in the lighthouse out at the point. So the old headlight then, as I said, had a fog signal attached to it. There were three keepers uh, living there and then um, the, it was changed, uh, because it was so remote and so uh, isolated, it was changed uh, in, up to a rock station, uh, a headland uh, lighthouse, they called it, a rock headland. So keepers then were coming and going to that. And some of the reasons for that is keepers uh, no longer wanted to live out on these headlands with their families. They were now able to live uh, where they liked and they were able to travel to and from these stations. So it became a relieving um, lighthouse. A relieving station is where a keeper would spend a month on the station. He would be relieved um, by uh, another lightkeeper a month afterwards and he would go home. It was convenient for me in that I was able to come uh, take time off and uh, go home because it was attached to the mainland. I had come from the Fastnet to the old head of Kinsale. The old head of Kinsale was much more comfortable. You had a dwelling house beside the lighthouse. So you had your own bedroom. Whereas out on Fastnet where I worked, uh, you lived in the structure, in the tower. Uh, we had just one bedroom. You had your bunk bed uh, strapped onto the wall. That was your bunk and um, you didn't have any great privacy. It didn't bother me too much, uh, the privacy, but it uh, was a, an extreme pleasure for me when I went to the old head of Kinsale. I suppose lighthouse keepers and probably even lighthouses themselves seem to kind of stoke up a lot of... They seem to trigger something in Irish people, like in the Irish psyche, you know, or something kind of special about them or mystical or something. Uh, why do you think that is, uh, Gerald? Um, I do, you are correct, it does, um, it does uh, bring that up in people. And where that has shown itself much more so now is since um, the automation, since lightkeepers were made redundant, um, suddenly people are asking the questions, who were they? How did they live out there? Media um, became um, um, improved and with that uh, we came under the notice of the public. And people were then asking, oh my God, how did you live out on a rock for a month? How did you live in isolation for a month? Alan Boyers and his family currently live at the Old Head Lighthouse. Like Gerald, he too is a son of a lighthouse keeper and has spent much time working on various lighthouses around the coast. Alan and I began chatting high up in the lantern room. As dusk fell, and the rotating bulb of the old head of Kinsale Lighthouse began to brighten. As you can see there now, it's pouring nearly five ton weight. That's just a lovely calming sound from it when you're up here, you know. With that little, very little 
noise in the background. It's I don't know. It's like a little tune or something. You'd, you'd stay up there all day. It's beautiful. You know what I mean? And then in the summer, like you can go out in the balconies. You know, it's a beautiful place. Like, you know. So what kind of changes have you noticed over the years? Uh, oh. I suppose to do with you know even lighthouse culture, lighthouse traditions. To be honest with you. When I was a child living at lighthouses, like uh, I don't know, it was it, it seemed to be more of a <laughs> like a secretive organisation it was very hard to get a job in the organisation unless you had like uh, family in it uh, it was very very few people came in, into it uh, since um, since they went automatic and people are realising now like in Canada like for instance now they, they, they are, or not, ca the Canadian people stopped uh, most of the automation in Canada because um, they, they wanted 50 manned lighthouse lighthouses kept in Canada for the reason that uh, if everything does fail like that they would have a, a human to contact and uh, they, they still recruit lighthouse keepers it was recent maybe in the last couple of years they were advertising for lighthouse keepers and it was the same conditions of employment in that like you got you you got accommodation and you did your time on and time off uh, in Ireland uh, the whole uh, basically the whole coast of Ireland was automated before I know there were ten-year plans, but mm, I would say the general public didn't take much notice of it for some particular reason. Uh, but now uh, people are looking at them as more of a, a tourist attraction, and I suppose that's the way it's going. And myself and Jer have the we we think of the days when we used to sit up doing the watches, uh, trying to help people at sea if there were any bother keeping a radio watch. Um, there was men out there for hundreds of years keeping these lighthouses like you know this isn't part of the great lighthouses of ireland is that right no this this, this one isn't on, on the great lighthouses of ireland although we we partake it we do it uh, we open the lighthouse four days every year at the end of may and the end of august so that gives us um, time to show the people you know the lighthouse they get a chance to see the golf course from the, the balconies and uh, it's good for the area. It raises funds for a local um, charity. There's a, a watchtower up there that uh, has a project, another project ahead of them now, a Lusitania mu Museum. So I suppose the next open days they'll be trying to raise the money for that now. You know. And is there any any plans afoot to open this up in a more, I suppose, like to have a visitor centre or anything like that here in, in this particular lighthouse? Well, I suppose as long as you're here, probably <laughs> not. <laughs> That's debatable, but I've no problem with showing people around the lighthouse. Like, uh, no problem whatsoever. Um, actually, I'm quite interested in showing people, giving people a tour of, of, of the lighthouse and giving them a bit of the history because it's been it's been kind of lost and that there's not many of us left. And if anybody has an interest in it, like, I'd be glad to show them uh, and tell them about the lighthouse. But uh, yeah, it's this one is kind of caught with the right away regarding like the right away to this lighthouse is for lighthouse maintenance only. So, and this was stipulated back in 1853, so this probably catches everybody in that regard, you know what I mean? Like, so, I don't think you can have any paying guests up, up, up if you, unless you track back, I suppose, to legally, you know, to change the right away. I don't really know. Right, so when we, when we were up on the um, the lantern area there, we, we, you've you seen two little uh, areas there that were kind of like little huts. Well, well they, they were used for like... Uh, we used to call them the for the, the rockets. We used to fire rockets for a fog signal. So you'd be up there firing your rockets, 
you'd, be, you'd do your watch in the lantern and you'd, uh, you'd, you'd have to look you'd have to maintain the light as well which would have been an oil light so you did your watch up in the lantern and then you did four hours up there no matter what the weather you were up there uh, if the visibility it didn't have to be fog it could have, it could be heavy rain it could be a storm if the visibility was down to three miles you had to have uh, an audible sound a fog signal what year are we talking here roughly you're going back to the uh, with well, it's 1972. This this light only became electric, so you're you're going back in the 70s anyway. So back in the, the early 70s, like. And did you do that as a child in any other lighthouse? Well, I, well, yeah, I, I I helped my father start up the Rustin Rustin Hornsby engines now in uh, Roaches Point Lighthouse, which were fairly big. They were start with, uh, with air compressed air, and um, they were a different type of fog signal in that, like there was a diaphone pushed by air out through a trumpet and you'd get a kind of a G tone from it. If anybody remembers Roach's Point, it was a very distinctive G tone from loud, like, uh, you'd, you'd, you'd miss them around the coast today now, the old fog signals, like, you know, there's none, there's none on the Irish coast anymore now, you know what I mean, they're all discontinued. How far does this light uh, travel actually? Yeah. This one now, and it's only it's only 150 watt, and I was telling you there, like it's uh, on 24 volt. You can see this up to uh, 18 miles, maybe maybe more depending on the night, uh, which which is quite a lot for a 150 watt bulb. It's just magnified with the lens, so you have the you have the bull's eyes, so the, you can see the flashes, two flashes every 10 seconds on the bull's eyes, like so. You have two flashes every 10 seconds. That's the old Hedekin sail. Uh, that's the night character. Then in the day, the daytime. Then this is a black tower with two white bands. So every lighthouse is is different in its own way. Do you know what I mean? Before it became fully dark, Alan brought me downstairs to show me around the grounds of the old head. What you're looking at here now is uh, where I live, uh, which was uh, a house that was built back in. Uh, 1855. Uh, it was built for the gunner, as I was telling you earlier. To man the guns here for the fog signal uh, right on on the building itself we have storm shutters that are very badly damaged after uh, storm Barra and the, the northern side of the roof is pretty damaged but we're getting that job done soon and then in, in front of the house outside my front door is actually the old the old head lighthouse tower so I have a full view of the lights from my bedroom window or my front door well, basically every window in the house that I go into, I can look out that window, I can see that light going at night. Now they say they don't need me here for that reason anymore, that everything is going on technology. But at the same time, I'm still the human presence here. And I've had the UK big uh, Trinity House calling me here just to give it the, the check with the human eye to say that it is working, that their, that their equipment was uh, showing a fault. Maybe, maybe there was a power breakage or something like that. So no harm in having someone here just to give us the certainty you know and do you find that that light coming into your night your bedroom at night helps you sleep or keeps you awake or does it uh, at this stage i'd say you probably wouldn't sleep if you didn't have it is that would that be would that be a fair thing to to assume i'd say at this stage though it kind of soothes me to sleep you know what i mean once i know that thing is on that light is shining out to sea i'm a happy boy that's the way i look at it <laughs> Noel Sweeney at the old head of Kinsale Lighthouse, with first Gerald Butler and there with Alan Boyers. 
the Naval Service has been celebrating its 75th anniversary. And as part of that, the actor Neve Cusack has been performing a poem about the service on board the Ellie James Joyce. Artist Eve Parnell was behind the project and she told me about it. Yes, this is an artwork to, it's it's part of the Naval Service's 75th anniversary celebrations. And a poem was submitted by a serving member of the Navy, and his name is Quivine, his commander, Quivine McCumphrey. And it was selected uh, to mark the occasion. And then I was approached to bring this poem, I suppose, from the poet's notebook into a format that more people could enjoy. So we created an A3 document, which uh, it's, it's very attractive. It's, uh, it, it, the whole poem is on it. It has um, a decorative element, uh, which kind of suggests the sea. And uh, it has a, an, I've designed it in order to kind of hark back to uh, Irish 20th century Celtic revival um, lace work. Um, and also, Around the edges of the document, we have listed every one of our ships since 1946. So everything, you know, the Navy is represented um, in this poem historically and in a, in a very modern way as well. It's a very, evo- we, we're going to hear it now shortly, but it's a very evocative poem. It is, it really is, because our Navy was founded, or I suppose, Officially, the official start date is 1946. But of course, Irish people have been at sea for centuries and Ireland has a a very, very long, long maritime history. So 1946 is merely, I suppose, a a, date, a start date, an official. It's to do with our, our history, obviously. But this poem reminds us how old Ireland and our relationship with the sea is. And to record this, Neve Cusack, the actor, she stood on the deck of one of the ships and it was filmed there. That's right. L.E. James Joyce was actually tasked uh, with uh, with this this uh, very great. Well, I was there. It was a fantastic um, afternoon. And L.E. James Joyce was on patrol on the East Coast and, uh, you know, on, on fishery inspections and, and <laughs> other duties. So... We actually had plans, uh, different plans, but COVID restrictions uh, changed at the time. So we had to adapt. And Neve Cusack, very, very kindly, you know, she worked with us to make this happen. So one day, um, not too long ago, uh, the uh, L.E. James Joyce came into Dunleary and myself and Neve Cusack met the captain of the ship, Donica Callahan, and we had the most amazing time. Uh, we were facilitated so well by the captain and the crew, and the ship looks amazing. So we kind of we we almost had the run of the ship, and uh, and Neve very kindly performed the poem. But she really it was quite extraordinary because she really connected and not just with the words and the history of the poem, but she connected with the ship. So there was really a sense, uh, a full sense of this moment being captured. Um, and the ship was very much part of this um, of this presentation that we did. We're going to listen to it right now. 
Outside our harbour rolls the swell. We meet it as we drive through the grey-green drumlins of the sea we know so well. From Roaches Point, east about, to the coast of gallant Wexford, these low-lying shores angle north, stretching all the way to Dublin. A coastline indefensible, but for the likes of us. This is a shallow, nasty sea. Sandbanks shift from their plotted places and expose the skeletons of other ships, less fortunate. We pick our way past the city, her bay redrawn by Bly, her buildings shelled by Helga, cousin of whom we seldom speak. Past the permanent prawn fleet, north about, and as night falls, lights glisten, a partial welcome from darkened Antrim. On a midnight race through Rathlin Sound, we hear the helpless clans of Sorley Bree screaming as they flee the blades of cruel Drake. No hero he. We glimpse a pretty frigate at Doe Castle, gold harp on a field of green snapping at the mast. Then, out to sea. At Rockall, we note Brendan's niche carved in the stone present prior to any other's plaque or flag. Later then, as male slopes appear, we hear a merry French tune on the breeze. We pass Gronia Whale, anchored in Clue Bay. She waves. The tide ushers us towards Connemara, lakes gleaming. A pretty picture, but the coasts of foaming maw, and the spars of broken Spanish ships stick in its teeth. Foganwood's Inishmoor Le Claver, Iserai Oyas, past Dearmid's Leap, where he and lovely Gronia gazed hopefully towards Tir Nanog. Sad to relate, we know it isn't out there anymore. We drop the hook near Dune and Orr. Something more than Atlantic swells disturbs our rest. No peaceful sleep can be obtained, so out we sail again. Bantry Bay opens to our left, and we recall how Wolf Tone reached out for this dangerous shore, this treaty port. Our commerce here is a respectful nod to the O'Sullivan's local tax. Then out again, and east once more. Fastnet marks the bounds of the O'Driscoll's ancient rule. And Baltimore, those of the Sultan's grasping realm. The sounds of battle ring in Castle Townsend. Follow us to Kinsale, crescendo there and our spirits sag. The maritime dimension neglected once again by Ireland's military best. A momentary dip. We see that Lusitania's ghosts lie undisturbed. And then, form one is flashed 
in line, astern. This sisterhood returns to Cork, place most suitable for ships. So Eve, that's the poem. Where can people watch this and where can we get a copy of your print? The film is available on YouTube and we can share that by link. And if you see, if you watch the YouTube, you'll see that Neve Cusack is holding the document in her hands. And if you'd like a copy of that, there's a limited edition, uh, a very limited number of prints available. And we're hoping to reach out really to, well, to everybody, but also to naval personnel. And also that, of course, includes retired personnel. So if you know anybody, I've, I've actually met a lot of people now who have, have um, members of their family have served in the naval service, you know, uncles or aunts, and it's renewed an interest and it helps people to understand a little bit about what their life and their career was about as well. Thanks to artist Eve Parnell. And the poem is called Statio Bene Fida Carnis, meaning a place most suitable for ships. It's a Latin motto which also appears on the Cork coat of arms. You can watch it on YouTube, just Google Neve Cusack and Irish Navy, and you can order a copy of the print from the Irish Navy. And that's it for Sea Skates for this week. We're back at the same time next Friday. Everything on the programme's podcast is on our website, rte.ie slash seascapes. If you want to contact me or the programme, the email is seascapes at rte.ie. If you're anywhere on or near the water over the next week, stay safe. <laughs>